Sairam dear listeners and welcome to today's segment of Afternoon Satsang. This is the fortnight for the Ramkatha Rasavahini and we are in the final stages of this beautiful nectar story of Lord Sri Rama as narrated by our beloved Bhagwan and today we will be going into that part of the Ramayana which does not come with the traditional Ramayana the Valmiki Ramayana. The Valmiki Ramayana has six parts or six kandas and the part we are going to discuss today is part of what is known as the Uttarakanda or the kanda that comes after the Yuddhakanda. The, the Yuddhakanda ends with the uh, glorious coronation of Lord Sri Rama. That is how, that is where Valmiki ends the story. But as we have stated many times, this Ramkatha Rasavahini is more like an autobiographical account. And so Swami goes into greater details of the Uttarakanda also. And Swami's Uttarakanda varies, uh, varies to certain extent from the traditional Uttarakanda that we know of existing in the world today. So it will be interesting and as always there will be a lot of insights there for us to ponder about and think of. And of course, the uh, main part of the Uttarakanda is the controversial sending away of Mother Sita to the forest. And we will see how Bhagwan has explained that. It makes beautiful sense. And both Prem and I are eager to go into that. But before we do that, as is our practice, we shall begin by ruminating on the sweet name of Lord Sri Rama. And after that, proceed with the Ramkatara Savahini. Sri Rama Rama Rame Di Rame Rame Manorame Sahasranamatatulyam Ramanamavaranane Ram, dear listeners, and as uh, Arvind introduced the topic, yes, we are in that point of the story which is very difficult to grasp completely or comprehend. But the interesting part is, just because it is difficult to come to terms with, it was never omitted from the story. It was, you know, for generations and generations, the story has been passed on the way it is. Right? You no, know, we've we've found different explanations for it, and people giving different. Uh, uh, takes on this issue but never was the episode itself dropped so saying that you know this is what happened and are you able to come to terms with it are you able to understand God's ways and understand what is the role of dharma and how how one has to live one's life based on this story it's almost like a challenge which is thrown to us and uh, hopefully you know in the course of we sharing what Swami has written here we will at least give what Swami has said about it and of course for all of us, that's the final word. Last fortnight, we had discussed how 
Lord Rama, the Emperor of Ayodhya, had appointed several messengers who would keep him updated of micro happenings across the kingdom. Uh, apart from his official channel of uh, the ministers and the different rulers, subordinate rulers that he had appointed, Jagirdars or Tasildars, whatever they were there in the kingdom. Apart from that, this was like an unofficial channel of messengers who would be reporting directly to him. And last fortnight we discussed how the objective was not to spy on his own uh, uh, subjects, but to get to know of problems that they face, which do not come to him otherwise through the official channel. Uh, recently, uh, in India also, I uh, we have come across many news items where people are tweeting across their problems directly to the external affairs minister or to the prime minister and uh, it has been very heartening and amazing to see how these uh, otherwise unapproachable ministers have actually responded in amazing time to these problems. So, sometimes a way to get out of problems is for the people at on the top to be directly in touch with the people who are at the bottom of the pyramid. Today, thanks to social media, that has become a little more easier because of the technological advances uh, and, as I said, social media. But in the days of the Ramayana, Lord Rama took upon himself to generate this kind of a social network possibly because he had his messengers who would be observing all the things happening in the kingdom, the different problems, the different... any kind of... Uh, negativity existing in any any part of the kingdom because negativity is what Rama is concerned with removing. Positivity, fine, it's good that it is there. So, one day, one such messenger comes to Rama and instead of the usual cheer, he seems to be downcast and he seems to be sullen and silent. He is not communicating in spite of Lord Rama asking him, in spite of Rama asking him what is the problem. He seems to be quiet for some time. And when he finally actually opens his mouth and says what has happened, uh, we understand why is it that he was hesitating to speak because he conveys a piece of news that is not so happy on, on Rama's ears and it is actually this news that makes Rama take what is what people call as a very drastic step. Right. The, the news which this... Uh the spy comes and brings this messenger comes and uh, delivers to Rama is that of what he overhears as a conversation between a washerman and his wife and apparently the washerman is shouting at his wife and in the course of that uh, you know, tirade he says that I am not like Lord Rama to accept you even after you have lived in you know somebody else's house you know, just like how Rama accepted Sita and this he hears this and you know it, it's very interesting because from the way the narration has been flowing, this is many, many years after the incident has happened. And which means till now, either the new, such an information has never reached Rama, or nobody in that kingdom ever spoke in this manner about the relationship between Rama and Sita. So this is the information this uh, messenger comes and gives very, very reluctantly. He is very upset. I mean, he, is, he himself is heavy in the heart uh, carrying this message. and But finally, he does deliver this message and the moment Rama hears this message, Rama's face changes. He dismisses the messenger. And uh, Swami says that the whole night he was actually uh, thinking over this message that had come to him. Uh, it's a very important point that you make there, saying that this happens several years after Rama's rule. 
that is important to stress because it's not something that happens immediately and for several years rama's rule has been the rama rajya and i think we have discussed how rama rajya is how glorious it was and how fantastic it uh, rama rules now rama now goes to sita and again you know he resorts to what he had done at another point in time when sita had to undergo this tough ordeal that is when ravana had to kidnap her as part of the divine plan uh, we had discussed then how rama tells sita that the time has come now for us to execute our roles and therefore sita you know the you be with agni deva we realize that after that point in time it's only the maya sita who undergoes these so called trials and tribulations at the hands of ravana because the actual sita is in the safe custody of the fire god and the agni pariksha more than again this is something we discussed more than uh, not more than instead of testing sita's for purity it was a way where the switch can be made again so that uh, the original sita can come back to rama because sita was always in the safe custody of agni and it's an interesting point that once the real sita leaves what is left behind is only the maya sita maya sita is like any of us uh you know she forgets her divine origin i feel it's a very beautiful uh, metaphor for what we find ourselves in we too seem to have placed our reality elsewhere our reality our connection with the lord within uh, our identification with the atma but we identify with the body and the mind and i think that is the maya aspect so i think it is maya prem and maya arvin talking here because most of the times at least i identify myself with the body and the mind rather than my atma and therefore this is what it is maya sita is sita with dehabhimanam not atma abhimanam if i can say it in that manner so rama tells that you know when he hears this news when he's pondering when we read ramkatha rasavaini we get a feeling that rama is wondering what to do and after pondering a lot he comes up with this idea of sending sita to the forest uh, it is not actually that way if we read with a little more deeper intent we understand what rama is doing here because rama comes and tells sita that sita you know your your job is done now this avatar who is complete you can go back you can go back to the heavens or go back to your source that's what it is and it is said that sita returns back to her abode to the abode vaikuntha and it is to maya sita now that everything else happens before the listener can conclude that this is a very convenient way of trying to justify rama here are a few more points that can be made which will be made in the course of this discussion that is he is asking maya sita now watch what is her desire but before we go into this this one point i want to make here that when rama sends back the true sita to her abode it is sita is goddess lakshmi it is prosperity in every sense not just material sense but also in the spiritual sense that's why vibhuti is one of the names of goddess lakshmi so while we think that because somebody spoke ill of her somebody spoke false which is not true and spoke ill of her rama is punishing sita which is very unfair if we actually see rama is punishing the kingdom of ayodhya because it is at this point in time rama is feeling that you know what sita ayodhya doesn't deserve you ayodhya doesn't deserve you so you leave ayodhya and go and later we will see this coming into effect because 
ultimately sita is actually at peace contented and happy wherever she is even the maya sita not just the real sita of course she is back in vaikuntha in the abode even the maya sita is happy it's only ayodhya that is suffering in the absence of sita so if we really look deep because of this comment which was unjustified which was immoral which was absolute falsehood it shows that ayodhya had stepped one level lower and for that sake rama the embodiment of dharma had to do justice he had to punish ayodhya and it is to punish ayodhya that rama does this not the popularly held myth that rama punishes sita and you know the other thing is uh, this is one thing which we have seen with swami also you know? <clears throat> i remember once one of the seniors were saying that uh, he used to have this duty of being in the interview room you know swami would collect letters and you know when swami comes near the portico you come forward and pick up those letters and keep it inside the interview room mm. so one of the boys was doing that duty so one day swami went into the interview room and he was also there and swami was going through a few letters okay and swami picked out one letter from the bunch and gave it to him and he said read it okay so this boy opened it and read it and he found it was a letter from one of the elders in the ashram mm. and that letter was a complaint against him mm. <laughs> okay and swami gave it to him and asked him to read it out So then Swami asks, "What happened?" So then that boy, you know, it was an opportunity for that boy to justify what he had done or whatever it was. So Swami was not unhappy with him. Swami knew that there was no, uh, you know, there was no truth in that complaint which had come to him. So Swami told him, "It's okay, fine, now leave it." But then Swami told him, "But the next time a letter comes to me like this, even if you are right, I will take action." Right? It's very difficult from our point of view to understand that. but you know when swami looks at it swami looks at this whole system of you know the the cosmic system of everybody all of us are one part one part in that swami sees the whole system as conscious and if the system decides that okay this is a complaint which reaches swami or this is what happens and you know as i was saying that you know for many years a, a rumor like this did not reach rama's ear so it's not that maybe it would have still been there in the in the in the city and rama being omniscient you would have known about it but the action needs to be taken when it comes to his notice through a mechanism such as this and that is like you're reading the whole system as a conscious being and i think none of us really are in that level where we see everything that happens to us everything that comes to us as a sign you know i mean that is how some you probably want us to live where constantly you are you know looking at your thoughts when you are constantly seeing what is happening around you is swami pleased with me am i doing the right thing am i doing the dharmic thing but one person who is constantly thinking like that will see everything as signs and that is what we have seen throughout the ramayana where even ravana is saying that you know my left eye is uh, twitching. Eight, twitching and i can i find pain in my left hand and they read i mean that is that is that was the nature of the times you know when we talk of the ayodhya I mean of uh, trita yuga where every sign was read more into than we read it today so i think that is also one more reason why we are not able to completely relate to the action which rama took when the thing came uh, up you know without going to the details i just want to make a brief mention uh, i have narrated this in some private gatherings before and uh, also have blogged about this but the thing is this episode uh, wherein you know there is this um, yeah there is this uh, uh, person whom i consider like my own brother you know amay deshpande and 
uh, we have been together from our college days and even now uh, we are neighbors and this was one situation where his elder sister had come and because of a small uh, problem she had in her foot she needed to be dropped from one building to the other and because ammai was unavailable i actually dropped her with her two kids you know she had she has two sons and both of them so i dropped them from one building to the other and at this point in time you know somebody has uh, seen me do this and apparently the complaint has reached swami that uh, this was in the year 2010 i had newly got a motorbike and it reached swami that uh, arvind is using his new bike to take ladies <laughs> around you know and though the i don't know what was exactly conveyed but i faced the backlash of it because through several administrators in prashantiniliam i received reprimands which swami had told to be conveyed to me and i could see swami's reaction in the mandir where he was totally turning away not looking at me in fact i stopped taking my camera to the mandir for a few days which was unheard of or unthinkable for me because i might forget my hand and go to the mandir but i don't forget my camera that was how it was in those days but that whole episode the way it panned out and it was solved finally by swami himself because as god swami knew the truth swami knows the truth so he was there to back me he actually sent message through some other administrators on how i should rectify this fault what are the things i should do in fact he even sent a message that i should write an apology letter mm-hmm. you know so beautiful so sweet why if i am upset on you prem i mean i will not come and guide you on how you should uh, <laughs> improve yourself in my eyes right but that is swami that is god but at the same time he did not mince words or stop from doing action as an administrator as the head of a trust where i am employed and for 15 days it was really a terrible time for me you know because but at the end of 15 days it all passed up well um, as i said i won't go into those details now but what i learned from that whole episode is being good is definitely important but it is also important to appear good and as i thought more about this i was reminded of uh, one poem that swami would often use to begin his discourses with asthiram jeevanam loke asthiram yavanam dhanam asthiram dhara putradi meaning uh, life is impermanent youth is impermanent wealth is impermanent wife and children and relationships are imp- uh, impermanent uh, asthiram dhara putradi satyam kirti dvayam sthiram only truth and reputation are permanent you know when you hear this shloka it suddenly feels like truth satyam is something very uh, something very high you feel so you will wonder why swami is giving truth and reputation as the other important thing i mean you could have said satya dharma dvayam sthiram or satya premam dvayam sthiram only love and truth are permanent but swami said truth and reputation are the two permanent things and that shloka made me that poem made me feel that truth truth is what we are that is what i feel is our being being good but reputation is what we appear to be and that is what that is why i felt that these are two most important things and therefore along with being good you have to appear good also so in sita's case yes she was good if we look at it from one perspective sita is good but apparently she has not appeared good that's why somebody is mistaking her if we look at it at the other perspective i mean in the first perspective was where we feel that rama is punishing sita 
Now, if we look at the other perspective, that is what is highlighted in Ramkatha Rasavaini, that is Rama is punishing Ayodhya by sending away Sita, sending away Lakshmi back to her abode. The people of Ayodhya might be good, but they have not appeared good because that is the message that Rama has received. So, either way, if you take it in either perspective, the problem comes in not about people, whether they are good or not, but in how they appear, whether it is Sita's perspective or the people's perspective. Because they have not appeared good, this punishment has to be taken. But as you rightly said, as God, Swami knows, and He will do His own thing to correct that. But as an administrator, as a ruler, as a person who is an epitome of dharma, a, a person who says that my life is my message, follow my life, he has to take action. That is what Rama does. And the other thing is, you know, well, it's very important. Again, I'm referring to the difference in times. You know, huh. the nature of uh, Trita Yuga was so different. You know, there is that story. I don't know. I don't recall which saint it is exactly, where the wife of that uh, sage was such a pativrata that she would carry water in an unbaked pot, right? Because her penance of being faithful towards her husband was so strong that she could carry water in an unbaked pot. Oh, you mean, you mean water would not water percolate would not, out right, of the pot? Not. And every day she would use one pot which is unbaked. So one day apparently when she is going to fill that water, she sees one uh, Gandharva going in the sky or something like that. A celestial being. Yeah, in one moment she just sees that person and says, oh, he looks very handsome. And the pot breaks. And that's how the sage realizes that she is, you know, she's had a stray thought. See, that was the expectation of a woman of high chastity at those times, you know, not... It's not comparable now because even when you come to Dwapara Yuga, the kind of expectation of Draupati was different even though we refer to her as a Pativrata. Hmm. So this drama which we spoke about of Sita going into the flame and then coming back and again going into the flame, this none of the people in Ayodhya know of. Right? They only know of the uh, events as they happened as they were narrated that she was abducted by Ravana and she was brought back by Rama and all of that. So none of them will, will know that you know, she, because otherwise probably a, a nature of a Pativata would be such that nobody can even dare to take her away from her husband. Probably, I'm not saying that. Probably that might be a definition. So that is why the standard they kept for a woman of chastity was so high. And that is why they were questioning and probably Rama did not want them to feel, he, Rama cannot give them the explanation that, you know, we have the benefit of reading now in the Ramkata Rajvahani. So, and the other thing of Rama taking that vow, uh, or rather refusing to take that vow at the time of marriage. He said, at every point in time, I will first act as a king of the land, and only then I will act based on my duties as a husband. Right. So I think all of that put together, I think that's another explanation which will come when Rama is speaking to uh, the brothers, that uh, you know that, that is how he has to act because he's the king, not because of anything else. Um, at this point in time, dear listeners, we will take a break and then proceed with the story Again, it gets very interesting and uh, as such, though the story doesn't seem to move much, the explanations and the way Swami has written it definitely is very interesting reading and if we have the humility and love and devotion to accept it, our hearts will feel wonderful and inspired at the same time. So, don't go anywhere. We'll take a little break and be back immediately after that. Ram 
listeners we are in that point where rama has received the message from his messenger about the uh, the washerman talking ill of sita and he is about to call sita and uh, of course we 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 described that part where he is called sita and he has asked her the true sita to go back to her abode which is vaikuntha and now he is addressing the maya sita and we are at that point right yes and he comes to this maya sita and uh, you know before telling her anything that i have received this news or anything like that he just tells her that is there anything that you desire he this is what he asks her and sita jumps at the opportunity she says yes rama you know i have long had this desire of wanting to visit the hermitage of all the sages and saints and i would like to do that if if the opportunity presents itself and you know it's almost like rama is able to take down two birds in one stone so he says great then yeah get ready i will send you you can go to the forest you can fulfill this desire of you wanting to stay and visit several hermitages so you see it's like almost yeah it is definitely the case of both problems getting solved he wants to send sita away because he doesn't want it to be the case of uh, rama having accepted his wife after she lived in the house of another person and at the same time it's not like he's telling sita that i'm banishing you he's telling sita that yeah you have the desire to visit hermitages you go now this is what i would say is happening at the uh, drama level that's at the face level if we again you know go a little deeper in thought and look at it from a divine perspective i feel this is what rama would have felt what swami feels with us many times because see prem when if i look at my own life once i got to know what swami is what swami uh, means and what a great opportunity this is there was that point of time in my life when i felt i want only swami i want only swami and you know that's why i uh, through my apparent <laughs> through my apparent career to the winds you know like uh, i i did a bsc in bioscience an msc in chemistry then an mba in marketing and uh, finally joined a job in radio sai which is media oriented there seems to be no connection but the only line that connects all these dots is my desire in wanting to be with swami and you know when i joined radio sai at that point in time i was told the senior administrators called i think at definitely at swami's own behest they called and told me about the challenges of working here yeah of course the benefits they said yes definitely the joy and fulfillment of working for swami is there but these are the challenges and all the challenges were on the materialistic front be it um, expectations of the pay be it growing your ambitions be it growing as a professional whatever they said that uh, prashantilyam is an ashram it's been started for spiritual aspirants so if you are a spiritual aspirant first and then only uh, you are working as a employee then it's fine but if you are looking for a growth in ambition there's nothing wrong in that but this is not the place they advised all that and i said no no i want this only 
but it's only after joining radio sai prem slowly that you know i began to think of you know how can i it'll be nice if you get a bigger salary it'll, all the worldly desires again come back and it'll be nice to travel to different parts of the world all the desires resurface i was wondering what changed the only thing that i see changed was in the beginning i felt i don't have swami i must get swami i must get swami once i got swami it's a kind of familiarity breeding neglect if not contempt at least uh, at least neglect uh, where you feel that yeah i have anyway got swami now let me try to get other things also what we don't realize is it's not like once you get swami you can go after other it's like how swami explains uh, what happens when sita looks at the golden deer swami says that kama comes in the desire the moment kama comes in you lose rama if you want rama you have to give up kama you have to give up desire if you want the lord the moment you entertain desire the lord is lost even after you have got him sita has been married to rama but she got the desire she had to lose rama of course it's a different story that it is a maya sita who got the desire that's why i say when we say maya prem maya arvind we get lost like that and now again maya sita is apparently making the same mistake because rama asks her what is it that you want instead of saying rama all my life i have pined only to be with you and now i have got to be with you what else do i want she says no actually rama you know i want to go i want to travel i want to look at the hermitage see there this is what she has done in the forest all these years again she wants to do that so i'm thinking from that point of view rama must have been pretty disappointed right reminds me of you know what uh, one of the seniors were narrating hmm. again this was a boy who was in swami's residence we staying in swami's room mm. no when we listen to these stories we generally might think that you know i wouldn't have been so foolish if i'm in that place but as you're saying that you know all of us think like that when we are on this side of the fence but it's a different thing going closer to swami and you know the mind playing tricks on you because this boy was imagine working for swami and having the opportunity to serve swami in the mandir and uh, one day he goes up to swami and he says swami i want to go home and swami said uh, for how many days so he says no swami i want to go for good okay and swami was so surprised with this thing and swami asked what do you want actually he said no swami i just want to go home take up some job and you know get married and settle down and uh, mean many many years later when he was recollecting that incident you were saying there was so much of disbelief in swami's face <laughs> that hmm. you know how can you want anything more than this and you know just to probably so that one day he'll reflect back and he'll you know he'll recollect that expression of swami so that 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 lesson gets you know deeper into his head because swami was giving him such disbelief in his expression and swami said why do you want to do that hmm. so he said nothing swami i'll just go take up a job and you know probably enjoy and swami is saying that you've got everything here you still want to go and in fact swami even protested swami said no i will not let you go and then that boy said no swami i want to go and then Swami let him go but that's what happens you know many of us uh, as i was saying that you we might think that i will not be so stupid if i'm there but the fact is there is something about that proximity which probably plays with the mind and that's why Swami made it very clear that you know the true sita because in the first chapter you know when Swami is talking about the adhyatmik ramayan Swami explains that sita is the mind with the knowledge you know more than anything else Swami explains that Sita represents the mind with the knowledge that Atma is God hmm. or Rama is God. And when Swami says that true Sita goes away, it is that wisdom which goes away. That is that knowledge that you know your everything is in Rama goes away. The moment that goes away, this kind of you know 
probably because of the nobility of even the Maya Sita, she is asking for something which is apparently spiritual. She is not asking for something worldly. She is asking for something which we would think of as, oh, she wants to go on pilgrimages. A noble thing. Right, she wants to go and spend some time with the, in good company. But even that is actually stupid when you think, uh, I'm sorry, not stupid in that sense. From our point of view, it is not right when you think, when you say that, you know, you've already attained what you have to attain through that process. You know, I was reminded of the discussion we were having the other day in one of the satsangs. I don't know which one, but we were discussing that famous uh, shloka from the Gita where um, Krishna says, Chatur Vidam Bhajante Maam, four types of people seek me. Right. He says, Artha, Artarti, Jignasu and Jnani. On the face of it, it looks like Artha, that is one who is in trouble, who seeks some kind of succor. And Artharthi, one who is desirous of worldly glory, fame, name, money, whatever, career. These two are selfish. Jignyasu is one who is a seeker of knowledge. One who thirsts for all the things that in quotes we call spiritual. So it looks like for us on the face of it that the first two are the worldly types. The next two are of the spiritual types. But it's amazing that Krishna says that among these four, only the Jnani is dear to me. Because it comes as a surprise, why is not the Jignyasu dear to you? Why is not the person who is seeking true knowledge, who is a, who is thirsting for knowledge, not dear to you? So, apparently, even the thirst for knowledge doesn't, doesn't make you dear to the Lord, because what makes you dear to the Lord is only thirsting for the Lord. That is what Rama says there, right, in the court. He tells there that you may be a Jnani, but if you don't have devotion, if you don't... You know, if you don't leave, it's of no use. Because it's only your devotion to me that will fructify even the jnana that you get. So, uh, though from our level, our perspective, it looks like a noble desire. That I want to spend time with the rishis and, you know, in that ambience and gather from them. It is, uh, you, you, I think you will narrate it, the episode wherein uh, Kasturi Kasturi Garu, uh, Professor Kasturi got into this and he wanted that mantra from God. Right. It is almost like that case here. Exactly, you know, very typically because I think that happened when Swami was uh, visiting Kashi or one of these uh, pilgrimage centers and he had this desire of wanting to receive a mantra from Swami in a place like that, which is so very holy and and knowing Swami, you know, Swami was dodging and uh, Swami was not giving him that and I think it was the last day of that uh, stay or something like that and uh, during their dining session, Swami comes next to him and Swami asks him. And Professor Kasturi is so distraught that he is almost in tears. He's, and uh, he's know, not eating He's food, not huh? able to eat properly. He's sitting there and he's choking there and Swami comes and asks him, what is it? What do you want? So the thing is, no, Prem, if I remember right, Swami has actually told Kasturi that don't worry, I will give you the mantra. Okay. He has already <laughs> promised him. Mm-hmm. So Kasturi is distraught because... Not because that Swami is not fulfilling his desire, but because Swami has promised him that he will do and now the last day has come and still Swami is not doing and apparently he is playing with him. Right. And probably he must have thought that receiving it in any other place is not as you know special as receiving it here. So that's when Swami comes to him and Swami says, you know, what are you upset about? And, and then he says, Swami, you promised to give me a mantra. So then Swami asks, what will you do with the mantra? Swami said, I'll do sadhana with it. And, and then Swami said, for what? So he said to get closer to Swami and uh, apparently Swami looks at, you know, both of them and Swami is literally sitting next to him. So Swami looks at Kasturi's arm and Swami looks at his arm and it's almost brushing each other, right? And that's when Swami asks him, 
how much more closer do you want right and of course when we had spoken about it we had said that there is definitely scope for going closer to god in that sense you know the problem is as you're saying the moment you say that i've got god that is when the sense of uh, you know it being granted comes in and that again is a problem but the fact that you know whatever you need to receive also is from this god you know it's not like he needs to give you something and that something is going to grant you what you want what you want is to be you know is the lord and it has to be directly asked from the lord and you know that's where the whole problem of the mind playing in right by thinking that you know if i get this i can get god if i do this i can get god rather than reaching out to the lord himself see it so happens that the mind you know it is i think professor kasturi himself writes in loving god maybe or some of the book in a poem where he says that this ego uh, ego also uses the mind as a tool to express itself his ego is a snake which uh raises its hood in such a manner that i am myself unconscious about it so he writes to the reader saying that in case you have find the ego raising its hood please pardon me dear reader because those are instances where even i was not aware because it is in such a subtle manner that this ego works the way the mind works so it so happens that i think that you know i want to serve swami i want to serve the lord i want to get closer to god and do and to do to get closer to swami i want to do things that he likes he tells serve people and though it starts off with that noble intention sometimes uh serving people becomes like a kind of a uh, thing that will puff up my chest you know this day we did this much narayan seva these many villages i have resurrected these many temples i have built for swami i have done this for swami you know uh that becomes a cause of ego and pride actually so though we are thinking that we are doing this to go closer to swami we are actually going away from swami in the true sense we have to come and say swami we want to be close to you so what you want me to do i'll do if you say that i have to make these temples and do this i will do it but only because you want it if you tell that no just shut up i know you have got great power great influence but i want you to just shut up and sit here do nothing i will do because what is important for you is important for me because that is my ultimate objective my objective is that i must please you so you know better what please you you tell me i will do that rather than i will do what i want and uh, you know in the guise of serving swami i am actually growing my influence trying to grow my whatever grow in my ego so i i felt it is important to state this because these are things that we suffer from after coming to swami having recognized him as god having sworn by him and in our wildest dreams also we don't want to do anything that displeases him but the our mind acts in such a subtle manner that rather than doing what swami wants us to do we want to do whatever we want to do in order to achieve achieve things that makes us feel good and makes our ego grow and then say that we are doing it for swami there is a very little uh, difference on the surface between these two but there's a huge difference from a spiritual point of view in these two one is absolute ego selfishness the other is actually selflessness i think we have to be very wary about this and uh, it is something that we all slip upon because here we see maya sita has slipped on that you know maya sita when rama asked what do you want when rama was not there all the time she didn't want food she didn't want anything she didn't want the comforts of the palace she didn't want she wanted nothing she just said i want rama and now that she has got rama and rama is saying what do you want instead of just reiterating and saying i want you rama she says i want to go on a tour and visit hermitages and 
be in that and that's precisely what rama blesses her with it rama does not as you saying he does not tell her what was the background for this question coming up then he tells her that already you prepare yourself and you can go on your tour and sita is very very excited she goes around she starts packing her uh, you know luggage she starts keeping aside things which she would like to give those uh, you know mothers will be there in the ashrams and all of that and then uh, rama calls for the brothers to break to them this news and even to them initially lord rama does not tell them the background he just gives them the command he said that this morning that you will have to take mother sita and leave her in the forest and as you can imagine the moment this news is broken to them they don't know what is hit them all of them all three of them are you know downcast and bharata starts crying lakshmana of course starts crying who's most very very close to mother sita and then chatrugna does not know what is happening here but rama is not looking pleased saying this you know it's not like rama is very detached probably this is the only part in the ramayana where swami is permitting lord rama to have some kind of emotion and even the previous night swami says that rama was downcast he was very thoughtful the next morning also you know he comes out in, he does not have that kind of uh, joy radiating from his being see this is a very interesting point prem because you see the last time when rama has got downcast again the when it's visibly expressed is when sita is kidnapped you know by uh, ravana and right. the next time it's happening is over here okay so the uh, these are the times of course there is one or two exceptional times possibly when you know lakshmana had fallen unconscious in the battle when he says that i can't get a brother like lakshmana but both these times when Ra- rama is really downcast contemplative sad crying is the times when uh, maya sita is gone away from him so while uh, from a human point of view it looks like he is uh, feeling sad about this from a divine perspective the lord is actually unhappy when the jiva when the jiva takes the path of maya rather than choosing him if we choose the world over the lord the lord is always sad because he knows that ultimately when we choose the world we are also going to get sad we will be happy only when we choose him because happiness is union with god so it looks like that and rama is sad over here in that sense and also in the sense that see uh, prem uh, we have discussed how for bharata shatrugna and lakshmana rama was god and rama was the lord and whatever his desire is their command and i'm i feel from a worldly point of view rama is seeing that that is also getting violated now because here are brothers who are advising him bharata tells oh brother you know this is janaki janaki is a lokamata she is the best she is a gem among women you know how if somebody has slandered against her then that karma of that person is bad and he will suffer why should janaki suffer why you know for the first time possibly rama is seeing his own brothers question his judgment so that also might be a cause of pain because i think this happens to us also uh, you know i was uh, if you may allow me i was listening to brother harish the other day he was talking of his experience of where he had to wait for 17 years before he got his child and 17 years before itself swami had told him i will grant you a child and after swami said that he would say that everybody around me melted in compassion for me you know in fact there were he said that there were people who would walk behind swami who were you know get given access to swami who would plead on his behalf saying swami you know papam 10 years he's been waiting 7 years he's been waiting swami you should do something and he was saying you know it's like does it does it mean that they have more compassion from me than the lord 
the lord actually has the more compassion but the thing is the lord knows everything the past present future and therefore there is a reason why he is doing what he is doing without understanding that in our ignorance we think oh yo swami we have also done this we pray on somebody else's behalf while it is good for us to pray in the sense that we are communicating with swami but if we think that moved by our prayer swami will do something for the other person because apparently without my prayer he doesn't seem to get moved then i think it's really ignorant on our part to think that we are more compassionate than the lord and here that's what is happening apparently bharata lakshmana and shatrugna seem to be more compassionate and more loving towards mother sita than rama himself and i think this is something that rama didn't expect and this also might be another cause for his disappointment right and i think it is at this point that you know rama explains because uh, bharata starts speaking about morality and you know how uh, it does not matter if you know if you have to base somebody's morality on what others say it, it is not the right thing but it is then which when rama says that you know you, we do not I mean we are not bound by that level of morality it's not that morality of a common man you know you are a king you are have to set an example to the people and you know when it comes to a king that kind of intolerance to immorality or intolerance to adharma has to be many fold when compared to a normal person because you know this is again a point which Swami had mentioned sometime earlier that the role of a king is completely different it's very simple for us to sit here and you know talk of uh what is morality what is right and wrong you know women's empowerment how can rama do like that but rama was not really acting only as a husband he was not only acting as a male he was acting as a king and that dharma which comes with that of being a king is completely different from that of the dharma of being a normal husband being a normal citizen and that is one thing we have to factor in because you know when when now people look at rama when after this incident had happened they know that here is a stickler for dharma and he is one who is ready to sacrifice any amount and because he is not somebody who's uh, sent away a wife just like that you know that's a wife that you know the amount of struggle that rama goes through to re- retrieve her from lanka they all know it right it, it is not somebody I mean it is not like there is no love between uh, rama and mother sita they know that what amount of pain it must have caused rama himself to do this act but uh, looking at it from the citizens point of view when they see that he has still done it they show I mean it is an example for them how important it is to be dharmic in in the kingdom and you know as you highlighted that aspect that he is not thinking from an individual point of view he is evolved to thinking from a societal point of view from a whole kingdom point of view that that kind of a wholesome vision expansion love as swami would call this is expansion love uh, if i can elaborate it with one small analogy it might not be a perfect analogy but this is what struck me you know many such cases have happened wherein a person needs a kidney to be donated and a donor comes up with all love many times it will be a family member with matching things and donates a kidney you know gives up a kidney and that kidney is inserted in this body there have been cases where the body body's immune system simply rejects the kidney it's not the fault of the kidney all the due process have been done it's all fine it's supposed to be a match but it just doesn't accept and there's no reason you don't know it's just not accepting it so the only choice is throw this kidney and you have to get another kidney or whatever so that the body accepts it but what i'm tra- uh, forget the later part as to what you will do but at this point in time when the body doesn't accept the kidney it is not the kidney's fault 
the person who gave it also gave it all noble intentions there's nothing wrong in that but still the kidney has to be given up because if the kidney is not given up the autoimmune reaction can kill the whole body this is what is called expansion love you need the kidney the kidney is good for you but it's just that it's not being accepted and therefore you have to let go of it for the good of the whole body you know the whole body can survive with an external when you do a dialysis you can survive like that but if this kidney is triggering autoimmune reactions against it it's going to destroy the whole body so for the sake of the whole body you are giving up something that is very very dear and that's very very necessary for you and this kind comes only when you are able to think of life as a whole life of the whole body the body has to survive so no problem yeah this is an organ this is a part of that body so that is why it is said expansion love is actually tough love it is not easy but as rama says you know later on in the ramkatha rasvani rama says that my kitten kin are my subjects also just like sita is my kitten kin because she is related to me so are my subjects related to me so that is the kind of expansion love he is having and as we said it's a tough love and just like for the sake of the body that kidney which is rejected for no fault of the kidney let me <laughs> emphasize that again it's not that the kidney is faulty there nothing wrong in the kidney it's not disease nothing problem but it's just that it's not accepted so for the sake of the body it's given up in the same way in that kind of an expansion love the greater love rama makes this sacrifice the other thing other point which comes to my mind is when you talk of a the kshatriya clan itself you know kshatriya dharma if you talk of the ruling clan mm-hmm. you know one reason why you can't call the ruling clan of today really representing that kshatriya you know uh, that clan is you know in those days if there was a war the first person to be leading the battle front would be the king if the king is too old it would be the prince or somebody from the royal family will be the you know person right on uh, in front in the forefront in the forefront, uh, in, huh? forefront in the army so which means when there is any kind of danger to the kingdom the first people to sacrifice themselves will be the king and that is the nature of the kshatriya clan and that's precisely what rama is saying that you know nobody knows the future but here is a small corruption which is coming in in the land so he says if there is a sacrifice which can be done and this could be stopped the first one to sacrifice should be me probably if there was a bad king he might have gone after the washerman right mm. that would have been the first reaction you know stem it where it is sprouting you know go and catch the fellow who is starting this rumor finish him off and put a end to that thing but rama has taken an act by which nobody for generations to come can raise that point again right so that is how a, a king is supposed to think and that's what rama says bharata he says don't give me your discourse on morality because you know i am not to- talking of morality that's what rama says i'm talking of dharma which is higher than morality you know i mean that's a, i think a very very profound point and very saying that you know i'm sticking to dharma and not to just mere right and wrong according to a commoner's idea and having st- stated all that he tells lakshmana you know he almost gives like an ultimatum he says lakshmana i want you to do this and know that if you don't do this i will give up my life and at that point in time when it comes to choosing between sita and rama lakshmana is in his senses he chooses rama and therefore he agrees to do this that is take sita and rama says actually leave her on the banks of ganga in the forests and he agrees to do that and the story proceeds i think at this point in time we'll take another little break dear listeners don't go anywhere because after the break we will continue with what happens and how lakshmana goes and 
takes mother sita and proceeds towards the forest shri ram 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 ethe rame
proceed with the story lakshmana goes to mother sita and says that he has been appointed to take her on her uh, and drop her to the forests and at this point in time itself sita gets little suspicious because she's seeing that lakshmana seems very despondent and sad uh, the different versions of stories have been told to each lakshmana has been told like it's a punishment for sita while sita has been told like it's a it's a treat a fulfillment of her desire for her but actually both of them mean the same thing i think and that is another message that we can take home that fulfillment of desire is actually a, a kind of punishment and it it may seem like it may seem like i'm sitting here and calling grapes are sour but i i'm i confess that there have been many desires in my life that i have been able to fulfill and having fulfilled those desires i realized that they are not as wonderful as fantastic as i thought they would be when they were not fulfilled and uh, they have not given me any sense of fulfillment having fulfilled it so that is the nature of worldly desires they just make you feel uh, very insatiated and hungry for it but even after you consume how much ever you consume of it it's not going to satiate you and therefore you know fulfilling your desires is like uh, is like a punishment and that is evident over here because as far as lakshmana is concerned sita is being punished as far as sita is concerned she is being rewarded 
both is the same thing it appears like a reward but is a punishment right and as you explained lakshmana takes away sita and lakshmana is all the while really upset about the whole thing he's uh, depressed but sita is very happy at the prospect of going and meeting all these sages but at some time she is sensing that there's something wrong here something is odd is going on but uh, it becomes clear to her when lakshmana stops at the banks of ganga where you know it's absolutely a deserted forest there's no hermitages around there is no habitation and mm. in fact there it's a very scary uh, forest where they hear all kinds of wild animals and lakshmana stops the chariot there and then you know falls at mother sita's feet and he's not even saying that this is where i'm supposed to leave you and mother sita is seeing lakshmana's plight and she starts uh, you know panicking in the heart and swami says that at that point they hear a voice you know from the deities in the forest both of them hear or only lakshmana hears i think both of them hear or hmm. swami doesn't make that clear he says just a voice is heard uh, suggesting to lakshmana that you can leave sita here she will be fine you know she will live nothing will happen to her you can leave her here and return hmm. and that's when uh, lakshmana says that i've got a command to leave you here mother it tears my heart to do it but you know that i can't do anything but follow the command of rama hmm. and so she he leaves mother sita there and leaves at that time mother sita starts crying and you know she's swami says that you know what have i done to deserve this from the time i'm born i'm you know going on uh, through experiences such as this then is this why you brought me back from uh, lanka and you know you, you sent me away like this and at that time the sage valmiki and his disciples are coming across coming across that point after taking a holy dip in the ganga right and they cite sita you know it's almost like uh, if we look at it from one perspective um sita has made a wrong choice she has chosen a hermitage over rama and she seems to be excited about it looking forward to it just like i told a few moments before a desire which excites you and invigorates you but having fulfilled it the moment that gets fulfilled you feel it was nothing big and you feel what did i do to deserve this you know that's what sita is feeling why did i deserve this? and she again you know changes it's like she wants rama back again and i feel in a sense this shows the power of power of repentance and getting your priority right because the moment sita feels that she has made a mistake and she wants rama immediately there is valmiki and sakar comes to her though she might not get back rama instantly immediately rama is definitely there in her destiny but even immediate solace comes to her in the form of this valmiki who comes and you know he actually asks who are you lady and sita introduces herself and valmiki must have been pretty you know surprised or whatever because uh, he has just completed the six kandas of the ramayana and he has <laughs> stopped at rama ruling ayodhya and describing ayodhya under rama's rule and uh, he doesn't know that he is also going to become a part of possibly the epilogue of a epic that he has written so he has no idea that he is going to be playing a major part in the uttara kanda of the ramayanam because he wrote only the first six kandas anyway that is all my thoughts but valmiki surprised and but he assures sita saying that don't worry i am valmiki i will take care of you he introduces himself and he takes sita along with him uh, in all this uh, discussion prem on morality and uh, 
divinity and spirituality i we forgot to mention one important point that at this point in time sita is actually pregnant right. she is uh, due for delivery and that is one more reason which makes this look very very cruel and harsh because it's okay if you leave your wife who needs you but you're leaving your wife who needs you even more because she is carrying your child you know it's like that she is carrying uh, the fetus which belongs to you both and it's your duty now it's not one life that you're affecting but multiple lives so this is the condition that sita is in and so valmiki takes her to his hermitage and puts her in the custody of the other women there and as swami writes sita slowly gets used to the life in the hermitage and she begins to lead her life in great peace and contentment and uh, the, the as you said the scene in ayodhya was totally different because in ayodhya people slowly come to know of this news that mother sita has been sent away in fact lakshmana comes back and he goes to the three mothers kaushalya sumitra and kaiki and and uh, informs them about this decision of rama after having left you know mother sita there in the forest mm. and they are absolutely shocked with his news they run to rama and they ask him what have you done you know this is not right and and for the first time probably they are also absolutely uh, you know they are not able to accept what rama has done and not in the sense of you know i think even when rama was going away to the forest the scene was the same they were not very happy with his decision but they still hailed him for that decision that he was making though they would they would have wanted him to stay they felt that you know you can't stop him because it's a very uh, exalted uh, stance that he's taking but at this point they all kind of accused rama and they saying that what have you done this is not right you know mother uh, sita is such a you know pious woman and she's such a chaste woman and this is definitely not right what you've done and many times it so happens prem like see if we know of many cancer survivors they get cancer they battle it and come out of it but when there's a relapse of cancer those people often succumb to it because it takes a great toll on you when you have to fight this cancer and i feel that sorrow frustration irritation anger depression all these are also cancers of the mental kind and it requires great resources great mental resources and resolve on our be on our be on our side to battle it and having battled it if there's a relapse uh, there's a lesser chance of us being successful in battling it because a relapse often uh, kills us wipes us out that is what apparently happens here to the mothers also because when rama left possibly that was the first shock first kind of deep sorrow which they somehow battle comfort and somehow get out of it 14 years they have lived and just got out of it and having got out of it when they are thinking now that we will be able to lead our lives in a more peaceful manner when they are least expecting it a relapse of such a thing happens when again another exile has come and i think that's what hits them real hard from a mental and psychological point of view and swami writes that they also from a spiritual point of view get a hint that the time is possibly over now it's due for us to leave and so they create a yogic fire using the fire that is within themselves so this is a kind of a spiritual passing so with that they get reduced to ashes and this is a point in time when the mothers give up their body they finish their sojourn on earth and depart to the heavenly abode right and then of course the the ram raja as such is progressing otherwise in the kingdom that's what swami writes where rama is ruling with the help of his three brothers and you know there is a fair amount of 
peace in the kingdom otherwise after a certain point in time i think in the ashram of course mother sita must have delivered the two little children and whom we all know as lava and kusha and they must be growing up but in the meanwhile in ayodhya rama comes up with his idea of doing a ashwamedha yaga you know that is pretty much done by one who is one wants to be the chakravarti of the realm you know a king is a different thing and uh, an emperor an emperor is one who's who is superior to all the kings you are allowed to rule your kingdom but you are uh, you know subservient to the emperor and you are a vassal king then right and in those days i think it was done especially by uh, kings especially as rama and we, we see even in the mahabharata yudhishthira wants to do that you know when you are a very very dharmic king you even though you don't have desire for for uh, you know for territory you do this so that to establish a kingdom of dharma where you ha- you kind of stamp your authority to question the other kings when they are not ruling properly this is more of that sort of a yagna where you you declare yourself as somebody who can question even a king and you become a chakravarti and uh, so that is that is conveyed to the uh, sage that is the royal preceptor that is vashishta and vashishta is very happy with this and he agrees that this should be done so he allocates different duties to bharata shatrugna and lakshmana and all of them are busy in their uh, duties more than anything else apart from even as you said establishing dharma in other places this is a yagna that is supposed to bring fortune and joy and rama says that this should be done because there is a great sorrow in the kingdom you know it again highlights the statement i made in the beginning of the satsang that it was not a punishment to sita because now sita is contented and happy and peaceful that is what matters you know ultimately in life it doesn't matter whether you're living in a forest or a kingdom it matters whether we have contentment or not and if there is contentment it doesn't matter where we are living that's a beautiful blissful kind of life and sita is leading that life precisely it is the people in ayodhya who are not having contentment who have lost their peace and who are discontented and therefore it is actually a punishment to ayodhya that rama has meted out and uh, when he feels that they have served their punishment possibly to alleviate the suffering he says that let us do this ashwamedha yagna and uh, you know before we conclude prem i just thought one more point we can make here because for this ashwamedha yagna swami writes that one of the most important invitee is king janaka right. the father of sita and i read through the whole ramkatha savahini parts to see how does you know rama tell his father in law that you know you know uncle or uh mawa mawa i am very sorry you know i have sent away sita you know your daughter because any father in law will get wild but when we read the whole thing we come to know that the relations between rama and janaka are very amicable in fact janaka is of oh, you know whole heartedly praising rama and in full thrill of rama and there's no mention only about um sita's uh, absence being communicated to janaka or anything like that it's like almost janaka already knows it that is at least what i concluded that janaka knows that sita has been sent like this and yet he harbors no ill will towards rama it what struck me was we often speak of janaka as the one of great wisdom and that wisdom is being seen here because irrespective of what happens janaka has truly surrendered to the lord he says what the lord does is the best i will not question the lord nothing even if it means a personal loss 
because many of us you know prem we don't question the lord when others are losing out on things we say the lord does it for the best you come and tell me arvin why is this happening to me i tell don't worry prem swami knows it's for your best but if that happens to me then i tell swami what is it that you're doing so as long as the loss is not personal i believe that god is doing for the best but when the loss is personal i wonder why did you do it oh lord that is where i think janaka stands out because in his wisdom he doesn't question rama he celebrates with rama he's thrilled the i didn't expect janaka to be ready to attend the ashwamedha yagna he comes with his whole retinue in fact uh, swami writes that only a small set of soldiers are left behind to guard the kingdom otherwise whole with all the divisions of the army everybody whole heartedly they come to ayodhya uh, really hats off for that kind of wisdom and we pray that we be wise like janaka always in our life right and i think uh, invites are sent out to all the kings and swami says uh, that rama even invites jambavan angada and sugriva and even vibhishana from uh, lanka comes to attend the yagna and probably we'll finish here at uh, at this point where the preparations for the yagna are going on because it is in connection with this ashwamedha yagna the you know the children of rama come into the picture and probably that will be the concluding scene of the ramayana or ramakatha rasvayani as swami has beautifully penned it so probably we'll be concluding with this entire series of ramakatha rasvayani in the next episode and uh, so do join us again next week where we'll be concluding this ramakatha rasvayani offering this at bhagwan's lotus feet and expressing our love and gratitude to hanuman who is present wherever the ramakatha is sung we end with this song on the other side of which will be the segment love to love जय राजा राम राम
चंद्र जय जय राम